Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Black woman. Beautiful. Powerful. Resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation. A talk, especially an informal one, between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So... We created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How is How your you doing? Been? Long. I'm glad it's over. Really? Well, almost over, I guess. Really? This week hasn't... Well, yeah, this week has been long. It's been stressful. I started this random thing, so every day I go on a walk now, sometimes two times a day, because I can't really exercise like I'd like to right now. So I've been going on a walk, and I started a video diary, because I don't really have the time to journal the way that I'd like to. So this week I just figured, hey, I have my phone. Why not? It kind of sounds like... I have these random thoughts and like, it's almost like one giant stream of consciousness, but it's kind of relieving. That's cool. You should have a YouTube channel just for your video diaries. That would be amazing. Yeah. I don't know if I want to share that kind of thing with people though. Like it's more like my intimate thoughts. And it also is like my husband got on my nerves for five seconds today and I'm being a spoiled brat. So I want to say that on here too. Like it's people would probably be amused at it, but I probably would be quite embarrassed if it was public. People would subscribe though. <laughs> I mean, people need people need a break, you know, from life. And right now, life is overwhelming for a lot of people. A it lot of people really are is. about to break down. It really is. I mean, when Michelle Obama said that she was dealing with mild depression, I literally said to myself, Okay, it's okay. It's okay that everything is not okay. Because and not that I really needed her to tell me that it was okay, that everything is not okay, but it was just like this really strong, powerful black woman is going through the same thing that I'm going through. So I'm going to be okay. That's what, that's the hope that I got. Well, good. As if Dr. Rector telling you that on the episode a couple of weeks ago <laughs> wasn't enough. And if you haven't watched Jesus and a Therapist, or not watched, listen to that podcast episode, go back and listen to it because it's enlightening that you can have depression and, it, and it's okay as long as you know how to deal with it and treat it. I mean, I guess she kind of laid the groundwork for it, but you know, at least I do. I have this theory that like, oh, it's fine. Like I understand that it happens to other people, but I kind of just know like, okay, I'm going to be strong and I'm going to get myself through it. But this is not what this is, right? Like this has been a true testament to Janine. You cannot control everything.
everything that you'd like to control, right? So I'm usually able to, you know, go work out and kind of get myself out of this funk, as I always call it, not necessarily identifying it as depression, so to speak. This pandemic has really done me in. Can't work out, don't want to go to the gym because, you know, there's still COVID outside, even though the gyms are open. All of the things that I would normally lean more heavily on, including church and my faith, I can't physically go to church either, right? So this has been a true testament of, uh, I don't even want to say of my tenacity, of how I can get myself or help myself in a time where all of the things that I would normally depend on are not readily accessible to me. Well, so I, I think it's good that you started a video journal. I think that's awesome because that is an outlet for you and for a lot of people. Um, So I think that that's awesome that you're finding a way to channel the feeling. And I think that people say Black Girl Magic as if it's really a superpower, like we are above everything. Like we're above the drama. We're above being depressed. We're above not making it. You know, we're above being down and out. That is not true. That is not a Superman cape or Superwoman cape, should I say. It means that, hey, we have overcome a lot of stuff. And we're still here. So don't think because you are a black girl and you have black girl magic that you can't go through things. This is real life right now. And I know personally, it's very tiring. It's overwhelming. And I'm ready for the pandemic to be over. But now I have moved to the state of Texas. You know, it's not like, not that I don't like my fellow Texans, okay? Because my hometown in Louisiana, they're acting a fool over there too. I just understand my Louisiana folks a little bit better than these Texans. These Texans are extreme, y'all. They're extreme. They are. I don't know where our listeners are from. So if you're listening, just reflect like, how's your state acting right now? Um, But Louisiana, they're acting a fool. Texas, they're acting an even bigger donkey because they don't want to wear masks. And so all of our cases are continuing to rise. So that's the frustrating part for me because it means that there's not really an end in sight yet. In Maryland, we're doing pretty well. Governor Hogan, shout out to Governor Hogan. And yes, he's a Republican. And anyone who has anything to say, look at his record and look at his father's track record. I will rock out with Governor Hogan until the end of times until or until he becomes crazy. So save the information that you're about to tell me about him being a Republican for somebody who wants to hear it. But Governor Hogan has been very, very good about making sure that we followed the protocol and did what we needed to do so that we could start flattening the curve at the beginning, right? And he has continued to do that, but people still want to go outside. Where I live is in very close proximity to the District of Columbia. Mayor Bowser has done a very good job with her borders. I mean, she's done amazing, but it's also very close to Virginia. Virginia has not done a good job. We are in this tri-state area, and yes, I call it a tri-state even though D.C. is not a state, but we're in this tri-state area of people who are just stir crazy and they're not staying in the house. So we're seeing our cases rise, but it's not because the government has not put in place the proper structure that needed to be put in place for us to flatten the curve. It's because people are anxious and they want to do what they want to do. And they feel like because they don't want the pandemic to be here, the pandemic is not here. That is not how this works. We all don't want the pandemic to be here and we're all tired of being in the house, but we still got to stay in the house. Well, and then this is more than a state to state thing, right? We keep on saying it's a state-to-state thing, and people are like, the cases are decreasing here and rising there. No, we need, at the national level, leadership to step up and say, this is what it is. This is what we need to do to decrease the cases, because a lot of states don't have these little lines, right, these borders. So it's not like every state is separated by a major bridge. Like, there are some states, like, you walk on one side of the street, and there you are, you're in another state. So to say, you know, oh, well, Louisiana, the cases are decreasing, but Texas, the cases aren't, or in Mississippi. Mississippi, the cases are decreasing, but in Arkansas, I mean, because we still 
move around and about and people still eventually have to go and see their families and check on them. So we really do need leadership at the national level. I think it's ironic that Biden all of a sudden demanded that we all wear masks, basically try to make it mandatory, although he is not president. Hopefully he will be soon, but he's not. But I think it's funny that all of a sudden he's like, as Americans, we need to protect other fellow Americans. And therefore I am calling for a mandatory mask wearing. I was like, really? Not for nothing. I would rather have him speak out on it better late than never, because at this point, he's the only uh, 2020 presidential candidate that has even thought to say it. Right. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not up to him to say it. I agree. He can't call for anything mandatory. I was like, oh, okay, you're taking over already. All right. I'm not mad at it at all. Oh, I'm not at all. You hear me? So wear a mask. Okay. let's talk about all the craze, all of the publicity this week. Only thing that we are talking about is Kamala Harris. I am just super excited, right? So this week, as we all know, our Democratic presidential candidate and former vice president, Uncle Joe Biden, we are going to call him Uncle Joe because we love him. Uncle Joe Biden announced that former presidential candidate and Senator Kamala Harris will be his vice presidential running mate. And we are super thrilled. Okay. So here's what we're going to, I'm going to give you a little rundown for those people who may not know, might be living under a rock and don't know who Kamala Harris is. So here we go. So she was previously a uh, 2020 presidential candidate. Now she's the VP picked. She accepted the nomination and she stated in her in her first speech with former Vice President Biden, she was both honored and ready for the work. And that's what we need, right? Like we need somebody that's going to go in there and be ready to do this work because we know it's a lot of heavy lifting after this travesty that we have in office right now. I'm sorry, I wasn't supposed to say that it's a travesty, but you all know, okay? Um, so let's go into who this vice presidential candidate is, okay? First, Kamala has made history, right? She's the first black person and first woman to become district attorney in San Francisco. Later, she went on to become attorney general in California. In 2016, she was elected to be the first black senator from California. Shout out to that black girl magic that you were talking about earlier, Nicole. And now she's the first black woman and the first person of Indian descent to be the VP nominee of a major party. Harris has served on four Senate committees, so we know that she can work with her fellow senators and governors. Some of her policies that she's making priority now are criminal justice reform and racial justice legislation, which in this time, that's exactly what we need. After the death of George Floyd, Harris kind of returned to the Senate for, you know, with a different viewpoint, a, a different clarity, if you will. And she is really focused on racial justice, especially during this climate. It makes sense, right? She, however, has faced some criticism. Her criticism comes for her record as a prosecutor. She was said to have pushed for higher cash bails for certain crimes. She's also been criticized for refusing to support independent criminal investigation for police shootings. Those are the things that people have criticized her for. Here's her view on Trump, though. She said she's called his wall a vanity project, which we all know the wall, it was never going to happen. But we had to listen to that on, on the news for months and months on end. She referred to him as the Wizard of Oz, which I personally kind of find funny. The, the idea that, like, there's this grand person and then when you, like, pull the curtain back, there's a little teeny person. So I agree. I agree with her views on Trump. Harris has also criticized Trump for ordering aggressive military attacks on peaceful protesters for photo ops which we all know that to, to be the case. Trump attacked back via Twitter, calling her a phony. And he has a campaign right now that's saying, slow Joe and phony Kamala, which, I mean, really, are we in high school? 
Like this is this is what the presidential campaign trail has become. Slow Joe and phony Kamala. Can we talk about something that actually affects the American people? Okay, so I broke down really quickly the pros and the cons of Kamala. Pro. I don't even want to say cons because there really aren't any cons, but some difficulties that she might face. So the pros. She's one of the best known, most publicized African-Americans in politics. We all know that this political game and the presidential campaign is still about publicity. It's good. We want people to know who Kamala is. So that's number one. Number two, she appeals to both moderates and liberals. She's not giving us too far to the left, but she, you know, gives us something that both liberals and moderates are able to hold on to, right? Her experience in law with law enforcement is very unique to, especially to the time right now. So yes, she was a prosecutor. Yes, she, you know, she has been in the trenches and that's what we need right now. I mean, we're in a place in our country where we're probably at the most uh, racial unrest since I've been alive. And we need someone who can come in and has experience as one, being a black person, but two, also in with law enforcement and the legal system. So I think that it's very unique that she was the pick because of where we are right now in our country. More importantly, back to publicity, during her campaign, she built a very strong following, one that um, even Biden asked before she was the VP pick to have her um, ignite her following. And they're actually called the K-Hive, kind of like the Beehive. They, They have she has such a strong following that they've named themselves. Right. And that's what we need. We need a strong base that's going to support her no matter what and fight for people to understand why she and Joe Biden need to be the next president and vice president because that's how we get people in office. Do not be fooled. We get people in office, not from the research, not from the details. We get people in office because people know about them. They align with them. Their messaging speaks to them in some way. It is not just about what they have done or what they're going to do. A very large portion of the country People vote based on what they've seen and heard. They vote based on marketing and campaigning, not based on the facts. And a very large portion of the country. So please keep that in mind. Okay. She also was a potential presidential candidate. We already know that the the Republicans would like to smear Joe Biden for being older and forgetful and sometimes not saying the right thing. She's the perfect person. She was a, a presidential candidate and should, God forbid, anything happen to Joe Biden. We know that she can step in and do exactly what we need to do and lead this country to where it needs to go. So the cons, so to speak, and I say that in air quotes, because these are really not cons. They're just things that people may be concerned about. Harris is from Cali, where there's nothing but Democrats, right? So her seat will be probably filled by another Democrat, right? It's not really likely that she'll that she will um, have a Republican replace her. However, she's not able to pull that base. So now if we had the vice presidential candidate from, let's say, Iowa, it would have been very different because she would be able to speak to a, a different base. California is pretty all all Democratic, so she's not really getting middle America vote, right? We have to do some work for her to get the middle America vote. 
when she ran for president, she kind of had a very lackluster campaign, right? She started off on a high note with her presidential campaign. She was number two behind Biden. When she decided to terminate her presidential campaign, she was just a smidge above Andrew Yang, who was like a far shoot for president, right? But running a campaign doesn't have anything to do with your ability to run a country, let's be honest. And then she doesn't really help, like I was saying earlier, she's not really helping the ticket geographically. If she were from, let's say, Iowa, Arkansas, a place, you know, any place in what we consider middle America, she might be able to, you know, ignite that base a little bit better. But being from California, people are kind of saying that she's a little bit removed. And, you know, people always like to say that Californians kind of live in their own world. And they're saying that about her as well. They said um, people are concerned because her being vice president, um, would make her a front runner for the 2024, 2028 election. But the problem is it might make her the front runner for the election. However, they're not sure that she's in a position to win the general election, mainly because of the state of our country right now. So the final thing and the thing that people harp on probably the most is that she had a very public feud with Vice President Biden when they were campaigning. But again, none of that has anything to do with her ability to be vice president. Let me tell you, Kamala checks all of the boxes for me, right? And should check all of the boxes for everyone. She's smart. She's run successful campaigns, three successful campaigns. She's from the largest state in the United States of America. She is African-American and Indian American. She is able to mobilize the African-American vote. I would hope that we're not this silly. And she's something that gives us some resemblance of the last time that our country had true leadership with President Obama. We're here for her. We are going to vote for her. We are not going to complain about her. We are not going to nitpick and tear her apart the way that we did Hillary. We are going to see she and Biden to the White House and through the White House. And yes, we're going to hold them accountable. But guess what? This is our only hope. Because the last four years of this country have been nothing but a steady decline. I mean, for goodness sake, we're in the middle of a pandemic with no strong leadership. Okay, now that Janine is done with her campaign speech, (laughs) because she just laid out about 15 minutes of why you should vote for Kamala. And if you were confused, uh, Janine has just clarified that for you. And she said we weren't going to nitpick, but you know what? This is a podcast and we're going to talk through some things. And we are going to nitpick a little bit. So back to some things that Janine pointed out in her introductory speech of Kamala Harris. Yes, she is a lot of first. Yes, she is from California and she did take a lot of scrutiny. But we do need to add that she went to Howard and she is a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. So as an AKA myself, I am in love with Kamala girl crush right now i am infatuated that she is a vp pick because i think she's amazing a friend and i were talking about kamala a couple years ago about how awesome she was when she got elected to the senate in 2017 we were like okay yeah she's about to be blazing because she was amazing at that point i mean she was she has viral videos at that point, and that was three years ago. So uh, when she decided to run for president, we weren't surprised. And when she dropped out, I was like, okay, there's something going on. Like, she must have gotten this ideal as a VP pick. That's what I thought. I knew it. I thought that she would be pegged for attorney general. No, why would she want to be pegged for attorney general? She No. I didn't say that's what she wanted. I just thought that it made sense with her uh, prosecutorial background. Yeah, no, I was thinking VP choice all the way. Like That would be the only reason that if I were running for president the first time that I would drop out of the race. I would be like, okay, I'm young in the Senate. I can, I still have some years under my belt. I'm probably running right now knowing that it's a little early. I haven't been on the national scene that long. So for me, 
all of a sudden she dropped out because even Cory Booker was like, I'm not really sure why she dropped out. He was still in there. He was still in and trailing way far behind her as opposed to um, him dropping out. He was surprised that she dropped out. So um, for me, I knew that, hey, she must be pinned to be the VP pick if Biden wins a primary. So it was not a shock. I mean, people were saying Stacey Abrams. I like Stacey Abrams, but I didn't think that she was going to be going to be the VP pick. She has no national experience, right? Right. I don't think she so, was ready. I, no, she wasn't ready. Um, I think she's awesome, but I don't think she was ready. Was Kamala already having some experience with the Senate? She was already a presidential candidate. I thought it was very natural for him to choose her. He had already said he, he wanted the cabinet to look like it did when he and Barack were in office, meaning diverse in every aspect, men, women, LGBTQ. So I knew that, hey, it has to be either a black person or a woman or both. Oh, exactly. And so he basically, he basically chose the best of both worlds, in my opinion. But as soon as she got chosen, you know, that same friend that used to text me back and forth uh, when she got elected to U.S. Senate, uh, talking about how rock star she is, sent me a meme, right? And I don't know if Trump really posted this on his page or not, but it, I thought it was hilarious and I died laughing. It said Kamala went to the Delta interest meeting anyway. <laughs> Biden and paper 2020 is what it was, what the post said. And I thought, you know, if this is real, he's really trying to conquer and divide. If you're trying to divide the divine nine support, you got a lot of issues on your hands. So I'm hoping that that was false. I don't follow Trump on Twitter, so I don't know if that was real or not. Um, but when he sent it to me, it did say, uh, it, it did look like it was from Donald Trump's Twitter page. And it did have hashtag Biden and pay for 2020, which I thought was hilarious. I do think that there are some people that don't like the fact that she's an AKA if they are Greek. Um, I have heard that. On my timeline, actually, I've seen people say, oh, my God, you know, AK is going to be vice president. And I've had to go back and forth with some people like, are you serious? Like, let's think about the alternative here for a second, because people are drawn to people that are like them. Right. So I, I think that if you have a difference, especially if you're black and you're Greek, that can either make you very excited or it can rub you the wrong way if you're not an AKA. But. I digress. I would hope that the whole Divine Nine would support Kamala because she represents the Divine Nine. She does represent AKA very well, but she does represent the Divine Nine. I think it should all be Divine Nine love at this point, especially at this point when we're talking about something like a presidential election. I think that it should be all black people love. I think that we should be rooting for all things black and everybody black, like Issa Rae said. Okay, well, let's- Divine nine let's or not, we are we are riding out for Kamala because here's the thing. I, I think that I saw this on Stephen Colbert. If we had, I think what he said, and I'm, I might be misquoting him, so forgive me to he and his writers. If we have to breakfast at Bernie these, this thing and stick a pole up his keister, I think is the word that he used. Anything would be better than what we have right now. As a black woman, I cannot foresee surviving another four years of this. I just can't. We never thought that well, we would see a pandemic, Nicole. Never. We never thought we would see a pandemic. But the fact that we've seen one, okay, that's beyond, you know, the presidential control. But the way what, that we handled it's not beyond it, presidential control. It's not. Well, let's be it's not it's not beyond presidential control. I'd like to think that 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 our country or any country would not intentionally put their citizens in harm's way by creating a pandemic. But again, I'm what? I'm very well aware that things are a, a lot more um a, a lot more corrupt than I'd like to believe. So, yes. They have made this pandemic a straight political issue. It's a problem. 
think about if this was Ebola, right? Because mm. that that could have easily been a pandemic, right? Could have. And that's a horrible, horrible disease. And what happened when we had an Ebola threat? What happened was we shut the country down. We didn't let flights in. And there was only one flight that got through with somebody that had Ebola that then subsequently infected a couple of people. But it was shut down. Like hospitals went on drills. We had protocols. We had uh, things ordered. It was not like we were ignoring the fact that this could be a real threat. And so things were shut down. The watchdogs at the WHO sent signal and it was shut down quick. But when you when you uh, fire your watchdog so you don't have anybody on the inside that can alert you early enough because you got rid of the position just because Obama put the position in, that's a problem. And then when people do alert you, hey, this is coming, this could affect the U.S., it became a political issue because if you are proactive and you shut things down, then yeah, the economy takes a dip and nobody wants the economy to take a dip during an election year. So let's be real. This could have been shut down very, very early, but it became a political issue. The U.S., we are the leaders in things like this. So people follow us. So when we didn't react, other countries didn't react. And now we we are where we are. I said what I said. I think it could have been prevented. I agree. Okay. So let's talk through this, you know, we should all stick together, kumbaya, everybody should like Kamala, right? So let's talk through some things. So according to a SNAP poll of about 1,100 registered voters, 51% approve Biden's decision to make Kamala Harris his running mate. Only 12% disapprove, which is, I guess, a good thing that you only have like a scant few people that disapprove out of this survey, but only 51% approve? 80% of the voters approved that he should appoint a woman, but only 51 thought it should be her. Okay. So who did they think that they should appoint? Does it say? Uh, it does not say. Okay. Doesn't say. It just said it was there. Yes or no question. So my question is, why not hire? And maybe this is why. I was sitting at a nursing station and overheard three Caucasian nurses cackling about Kamala. What is she anyway? They said, is she Indian? I mean, is she Asian? Ha ha ha. Is she black? I can't identify with her because I don't know what she is. So what do you think? I mean, maybe that's the issue that people just don't identify with her because they're confused. About her identity? Here's my thing, Nicole. Every time I walk into a room, any room, I know, and I've done this since I was young, because I've, you know, most times when, I, when we walk into rooms, we don't see many people that look like us, right? Every time I walk into a room of people that I don't know or I'm not anticipating or I'm meeting new people, I should say, I walk into the room and I immediately identify the physical characteristics that I have in common with other people. So I walk into a room, if I see African-Americans, I am like, okay, those people are black. Or I see, you know, another group of females. I'm like, okay, there are some women that I can connect to. If I see someone that's approximately my size or what appears to be approximately my age, I automatically make that connection. So here's the thing for the nurses that which um, I think a lot of people do. Right. Everybody does. that, Right. So for for people who say that, you know, what is she, so to speak? They need to identify what she is. And that's why they cannot in some way connect to her. Connect to her as a woman. Connect to her as your fellow American. Connect to her as someone who is a public servant, right? Connect to her on another level. What she is and what her race is, I think that that's one of the problems that our country has right now. We are so busy trying to find things that we that we cannot connect with or things that make us different that we are failing to realize that there's so much that we have in common. And here's my thing. 
if we cannot connect with her, great. I, there are a lot of people that I can't connect with that I still need them so that they can do what it is that they do so that my life can still, you know, maintain some sense of normalcy. I don't really connect with most of the police officers in my town. I don't really connect with most of the nurses in my town. I don't really connect with many people in my town because most of them don't quote unquote look like me, but they still deliver my mail. They still draw my blood. They still make sure that I'm okay. They still, you know, are picking up my trash or policing my neighborhood. I don't necessarily have to see and feel a sense of a strong connection to these people to understand that I still need them. But maybe these people don't think they still need her. So that's the issue that people have their reasons for not connecting. And I would argue that I don't think people are actually trying to connect. Think about it. If you were trying to connect in 2016, then Caucasian women should have connected with Hillary. I mean, they should have had her back. They did not have her back. Now, on the other hand, when you talk about Black women, 93% of black women voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. We did our part. But if you look at... Don't we always do our part though, Nicole? We do. But that's my point. We do our part, but black people only make up about 13.9% of this population. And then half of those are women. So we're, we're a small percent. And when people stay home because they feel like they're pissed off about the Democratic nominee, then those are votes that go to the other guy, right? When you don't cast your vote for the people who who you normally would support, then the other guy gets more votes, right? Because they get a bigger percentage because we already make up a small percentage. So when you talk about women in general, should women in general have supported Hillary? Well, yeah. I mean, you had Donald Trump saying he can grab people by the pee. He's he's on video saying it. He's not refuting it. He's had extramarital affairs with multiple women. He's paid off porn stars. And that wasn't enough for Caucasian Americans and not even Caucasian Americans because men Men may give that a pat on the back, but Caucasian women should have shut that down because he constantly demeaned them and they overlooked it and they did not care. And so I would argue that women are the problem here. Women will demean another woman. And I don't know why that is, but they do it. And so if you're not trying, you're trying to find a a reason to identify with somebody. When the majority is not trying to find a, a reason because in their head they have, hey, this person is is a Democrat, so they want to take our guns away, or this person wants um, universal health care, so you know we don't want that. We want to choose our own doctors, or this person wants this. So they pick this one little thing as the reason that they can't identify with them. And that person being a woman or thinking on behalf of other fellow Americans, it's not enough. As Americans, we do have this selfish mentality. And when we can't see, hey, This man has not done anything for us, but because he is the great white hope and because we feel angry that this minority of of population is constantly moving ahead, then to me that says a lot about the country, a lot about what people feel about minorities in general in the country. Um, And I think it explains a lot of the unrest we have with protesting. And overhearing this conversation and and, uh, with the nurses really let me know, hey, even though I thought these people were cool, even though I thought I could personally identify with these nurses, they're cackling and hee-haw-hawing and saying, oh, nobody's going to vote for this woman because her own people can't identify with her. So we, we have an excuse now not to identify with her either. And I would like to say that those nurses are an isolated case but that's not the, that's not the They're situation not. so let me tell you about my encounter with people
people in Kamala. I was talking to one of my coworkers who is an African-American female. So let me make this very clear. This, what I'm about to say did not come from a Caucasian or anyone outside of our race. She's an African-American female as far as I know through and through. And I say that as she's not mixed with anything else. So I was talking to her and she basically told me that she's not going to vote for Kamala. She will not vote for Joe Biden because Kamala is on the ticket. My first response was, I am not even going to continue this conversation with you. But my second response was, I really wanted to know why. And I wanted to know why so that I could somehow um, possibly get inside of her thoughts and give her factual information as to why her decision to not vote for the Biden-Harris ticket was, you know, to explain to her why it was a bad decision. So here's what she told me. Well, what was her reason? This is what she told me. And I wrote it down, actually bullet pointed it because I was like, what? Like, as she was talking to me, I was like, hold on a second, this and this and this. But here, here are her, she had seven reasons, right? The first reason she said, because she's locked up too many black men. Here's the thing. She was a prosecutor in California. It is a prosecutor's job to prosecute. Right. So I don't know what her stats are about locking up black men versus Hispanic men versus white men versus whoever. But we have to keep in mind that, yes, she probably locked up a lot of people, but I'm sure there are a lot of other prosecutors across this country who have locked up way more black men. And it what you all people are out here making and I'm going to say not say you all because our listeners are woke. Right. But th- but this my coworker. She made it sound like Kamala went out and rounded up black men to put them in prison. That's not what she did. She locked them up because that was what her job was. She locked up the people that came before her and she did her job as a prosecutor and subsequently they went to jail. Point blank period. Okay, so that was her reason number one. She locked Number two. Okay. She's not qualified. What the, does she say as to the reason that she's not qualified? There was no reason. She's not qualified. Okay. But here's my response. She's more qualified than what we have in office right now. Number three, she was only picked because she's a black woman and she felt like it was pandering. That's the same argument that people have to eliminate affirmative action. It's not pandering. It's what we need right now. We are in the middle of social unrest. We are continuing to have to fight for our equal rights in this country. Why wouldn't we want the black, a black woman in office that knows and can understand the things that we've been through? I consider that a necessity, but this is her views. She also said that she's not quote unquote black enough, which was baffling to me because you just said that she was picked because she was a black woman, but she's not black enough. Personally, I'm offended by that. And I'm going to say why I'm offended by that. I have been in many a situation where as dark as my skin is and as black as I am, I've been considered quote unquote not black enough. It's absolute visual. We as black people have a way of dividing ourselves unnecessarily and missing the bigger picture. Then she followed that up with she's married to a white man. I don't care if she was married married to an alien but again whatever then she said oh now she's um running as vp with biden but she and biden didn't get along and they fought yes we've addressed that yes they had a very open um public disagreement when they were running against each other ain't that what you're supposed to do when you are running against someone as president and the her disagreement was with biden in the past have nothing to do with her ability to govern this country nothing the last thing that she said 
her politics don't align with mine. Meaning she's Republican? No, she's not. Well, to my knowledge. So let me let me clarify this. I don't really know. I assumed she claims that she voted for President Obama. So I assume that she's, you know, a Democrat. But you cannot make that assumption. She said that her politics don't align with mine. What does that mean, though? Like, did she explain that? I don't understand what that means. She didn't. But but based on her the other ignorant comments that I just mentioned, didn't really ask. And here's my thing. At this point, we are fighting for life and death here, right? We are fighting a life and death battle. We are in the middle of a pandemic, you guys. The end of the day, and this is exactly what I told her. At the end of the day, this is not the same election that we had four years ago. This is not the same election we had eight years ago. This is not the same election that we had 12 years ago even. The reason why it's not that same election is because we are in the pandemic and people are out here dying. The administration that we have right now has been very clear that they don't care about our lives. It's all about money and politics. They do not care about us unless it's about dollars and cents. Let me calm down. This coworker of mine is literally more concerned because of this rhetoric that has been being spewed from this current administration is literally more concerned about quote unquote political alignment than she is about the fact that we could die. We need someone that's going to come in and handle this pandemic and put this pandemic to, to an end and give us a vaccine and not play with our lives like we're some toys on some shelf. That's what we need. We can talk about the political alignment and all of that stuff later. Right now, it's about our life and death. I think that you're ignoring the fact that you and I think that there's a pandemic going on, but there's a subgroup of people that don't believe that the pandemic even exists. There's a subgroup of people that think that COVID-19 is some made up stuff and they're pissed off they have to wear masks. There's a lot of people in Texas that think that. That's why they're not wearing them. You think we're fighting for life and death? I do too. But you got a lot of people that don't think that way especially if you are not a Democrat. And like I said, Trump has done a very good job of politicizing this health pandemic. It shouldn't be like that. But he, the thing he's been consistent about over the past three and a half years is being divisive. And he has really honed in on things that people identify with to create divisions. He's done a very good job of that. And so when people say things like her politics don't align with mine, I mean, to me, I'm like, okay, she has to be Republican. Even Republicans that are actually following the data and following the stories, they understand that, hey, this president has made some dumb decisions. But if you have superficial Republicans, meaning they only uh, get their information from Facebook and Twitter, they're not following what he's actually done. Uh, They're not following the things that he said he was going to do that he has not delivered on. It is, it's all opinion, right? Because they don't really know any facts. About 80% of the U.S. are Twitter politicians. I hate to say that, but they are. And when you have people that are going to believe everything that spews out of the president's mouth, yeah, I can understand why if she's a Republican and she's watching Fox News every morning, her politics don't align. Right. She's not following her politics. She's following his. But Nicole, I agree. This the current president that we have, he is extremely divisive and he's been trying to divide the country since before he even became president. I get that. But my point to her, we are still fighting for our equal rights. Right. We're still fighting for equal representation and we're still fighting for our voice to be heard. Yes, we've come a long way, but it's not equal. So we don't have the luxury of being divided we have to this if no time other than now we don't have that luxury we have to vote we saw what happens when we did not 
unite. We weren't didn't stand on a united front. Look what we ended up with. To your colleague, you know, there there must be some self hatred there. I mean, to to in one breath say she's not black enough, and then to an, in another breath say, oh, but I don't like her because she's married to a white man, and then think that she's just being used because she's black. I'm just like. Well, I'm listening to the seven reasons you gave, and I, I just don't understand because most of them are superficial, except for number two, she's not qualified. And that would probably have been the only thing that I would have talked to her about, meaning, hey, how was Donald Trump qualified? Tell me what exactly he's done to make you think that he deserves another vote. And then I would also remind her that you're not voting for the vice president. You're voting for the president. Let's talk about president to president, right? Let's talk about the records of those two candidates and how one had zero experience and the other one had decades of experience. So let's start there um, about not qualified. People said the same thing about Hillary Clinton, and then they voted somebody that had no political experience at all. So I think that people just say stuff because I think that they think it sounds better to say that, but that woman knew the truth. You knew that that woman was qualified and you know that the president that we have now is not qualified. Then let's talk about what happens if something happens to the president, right? So Biden is older. That's his criticism. He passes away. Kamala Harris would have to step in. Trump passes away. We already know he has like high cholesterol and all this other stuff. And eats McDonald's and every day. Has to step in. Like as a person that lived in Indiana for three years, like people don't like him there. Not in the not in the urban areas. They don't like him in India because he has blatantly racist politics as well, and that's probably why he was chosen for that position. So if you're talking about Kamala versus Pence, I mean, start there with hey, who would be a, a better president? Not Kamala versus Trump because Pence, his track record says a whole bunch, and the stuff that he doesn't vote for says a whole bunch too. So I think people need to wake wake the hell up. This is are you are you deflecting? For something else, like, are you as a black woman, do you think you're not worthy? Do you think that the only reason that you're chosen to do what you do is because you're black? Or do you think you're being used? Like, let's 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 dive into ourselves a little bit better when black women say things like that against another black woman. When women in general say things about somebody that's extremely qualified and then they have this nitpick reason for not supporting her and supporting this other idiot over here that now it used to be about, oh, the economy is better. Well, now the economy is the worst it's been in decades. So now what is the excuse of him doing a good job? What? Why it's, does he still have the approval rating that he has? So it has to be something within us that makes us so blind to see that this other choice is just not an option. I would think by now people would get fed up like you are, Janine. I can hear your passion behind you when you speak. People will be so fed up that they would vote for anything or anybody over Trump. Like I didn't care who was even the presidential nomination nominee over all the candidates. I did not care. Whoever got it, it did not matter. I mean, we, we joke about, hey, he could have chosen Sophie and we would have voted for him still. A friend of mine, that's a Delta, said she was excited and said he could have voted for, he could have chosen a mop. It didn't matter. <laughs> she still was, she's still going to vote for him. It didn't matter which presidential nominee made it. I didn't care if it was Warren. I, I didn't, I didn't care if it was uh, Amy. I didn't care. I was going to vote. I'm going to vote for whomever was there against him because he has failed me the past four years. And I would think that everybody in the Democratic Party would unite at least. And then I would think that the people that it's affected the most, like those people in rural areas, those lower and middle class Caucasian Americans would say, hey, look, this isn't good for me either. I'm going to go and jump on this bandwagon as well. But 
we shall see. Also about something that my friend Tony wrote on Facebook. She said she asked, you know, she put a question out. She's because obviously she's come across people who are um, not planning to vote, so to speak, because they cannot connect with the the Democratic ticket. So she said for all of the people who don't plan on voting for Biden and Harris, she said, have you ever considered that Ruth Bader Ginsburg may not be able to hold on for another four years and her seat is at stake? And that's something that people don't think about. Ruth Bader Ginsburg has had health issue after health issue. And while we make joke in light of the fact that she's the Energizer Bunny, she just keeps going and going. We are very well aware of mortality she's older and she's been holding on for us let me tell you and and I and we love her for this but why are we putting everything on her shoulders can we do our part well I'll say this um if one more conservative gets in to a supreme justice spot and I will say that Roberts has been um refreshingly surprising with his votes especially for women's health so I will say that, hey, I'm surprised, but I'm glad because I thought he was going to be more conservative than he is. But let's say we have somebody that is a strict conservative that Trump appoints um, if somebody happens to pass away. Think about marriage for LGBTQ community. Like they will get rid of that so fast. They will snatch that up so fast. Um, women's rights. They'll snatch that up. I mean, the things that we fight for, for uh, rights for women and rights for the LGBTQ plus community, for them to marry who they want to marry, like that is something that's determined by the Supreme Court. Like that goes to the Supreme Court every freaking year. So if you get another conservative in office, well, not office, sorry, appointed to the Supreme Court as a justice, I mean, it's going to be done. Like it's not, they're going to get rid of it. And yeah, all like of Roe v. Wade is like going right. to be like not the president anymore. All of the things that we've that we've fought for in our lifetime, that our parents have fought for in their lifetime, all of the things that our grandparents fought for their in their lifetime, all can literally go down the drain with a an appointee that is conservative. Please, guys, like it's bigger than you. It's bigger than your four corners of this world. It's bigger than than your race. Even it's bigger than that. It's really about life and death at this point. Let's choose life, please, guys. All right. So, Janine, what did you learn this week that's new? Okay, so the thing that I learned is about mail-in voting. So, as we know, um, the current administration has um, basically defunded the Postmaster General, i.e. our Postal Service, but we can still vote by mail. Here's the information that I found. And I will actually post this on our social media as well for people so that they don't have to retain this information by sound. So, I will post it on social media. But in order to mail-in, to do a mail-in vote... You have to request your vote by mail ballot before your deadline. So each state has its own deadline. For me in Maryland, my deadline is October the 27th. Um, Nicole, for you in Texas, your deadline is October the 23rd. Each state has a deadline. And like I said, I'll post this on social media for your um, request for your mail-in ballot. You will receive a mail-in ballot and you don't actually have to send it through the mail. You can drop it off. There are drop-off locations for quote-unquote mail-in ballot. But here's the thing, guys. Be mindful of these deadlines. Be mindful of the request deadlines and the return deadlines because we are in a pandemic and we want everyone to be safe. But we also want your vote to be counted. As I said, I'll post them. Check out the deadlines. Request your mail-in ballot if you don't feel safe going to the polls. Request your mail-in ballot. Return it by the time. And, you know, we can vote. Safe, social distance voting. That's what I learned this week, Nicole. 
All right, so there's two things that I've learned. One, in terms of the percentage of people that are registered to vote, of African Americans, about only 62% of us are actually registered to vote. So if you think that you are registered to vote, you may want to double check that. Make sure you are registered to vote. It is not too late. You can go register. So to me, that was like, what in the world? Like, why are we all not registered to vote? I think that there should be like an opt out of being registered to vote instead of you having to do something. But hey, it is what it is. So make sure you're registered. Question, Nicole. You said only 62%? African-Americans, yes. Um, and the other thing that I learned is uh, something we were talking about is that Trump is trying to defund the post offices, period. So stay woke, people. Stay up on game. He's saying a lot of stuff about the Postal Service. And I know that Janine just talked about how you can uh, register to vote via mail-in ballot. But if they get rid of the mailboxes that you're supposed to drop them off to and defund the postal service so there's less people actually coming to pick up mail, um, that could mean that your ballot is delayed and not counted. So just stay woke. If you're going to do that, vote early. Don't vote at the last minute just in case there is a delay in the mail shipping. Correct. And I will do some research and find the drop off locations, hopefully state by state, just in case the mail system is moving slow. Are we ready for the motivational moment? Yes, please. Our motivational moment. There's no such thing as a vote that doesn't matter. It all matters. And our fabulous forever president Barack Obama said that. So do not be fooled, people. Our ancestors died for this right. So go register and make sure you vote. Um, go register at whenweallvote.com. And please, y'all, when you go vote, please wear a mask because we don't want the cases to increase after Election Day. We want to be able to celebrate and go out in the open. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye. Bye. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is produced and hosted by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations on Facebook and IG at Oh, That's Deep, BWC. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is a five times media production. worked hard for what you have your money your assets your 401k and home isn't it all worth protecting nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft lifelock ultimate plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement lifelock alerts you to identity threats you might miss and if your identity is stolen your dedicated u.s-based restoration specialist will work to fix it let lifelock help protect what you've worked so hard for save 25 percent off your first year on lifelock ultimate plus at lifelock.com aware terms apply